Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is your host, Matthew Kirby, and welcome to a new season of the Young Black HR Podcast, brought to you and sponsored by Honest Human Resources Consulting. Our mission is to have meaningful conversations by amplifying voices and perspectives we need to hear in today's times. The Young Black HR Podcast challenges how we define a human resource through discussion of our talents, abilities, and backgrounds that we bring to the table. Now I have one question for you. How are you a human resource? Enjoy today's episode. This one's on me. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Young Black HR Podcast with your host. Y'all know how I do it by now. It's me, Matthew Kirby, and I'm excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to not only this conversation, but also this amazing person that we have with us today. So look, y'all, whether y'all knew or whether y'all true to this, y'all know how I do it by now. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. So this week's guest, Today's guest, this episode's guest, however you want to look at it, is Reby De La Paz. What's up, Reby? How What's you doing? Good? How you feeling? I'm good, man. Having having a happy Wednesday, man. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Got to get over that hump one way or another. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no, thank you for, for jumping on the show. I know we got a lot to talk about, which is always great. But even before I get into things, for those that are listening that aren't as familiar with what you are, what you do, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So my name is Revy De La Paz. I'm out of the uh, far south suburbs of Chicago, from the south side of Chicago. Like, that's just for life, right? Um, I am a new entrepreneur uh, in terms of owning my own business. I'm in my sophomore year and things is going real good. I am in the Salesforce tech industry. I've been in the Salesforce ecosystem for about a decade now. And prior to that, I did not have the conventional way of getting into this. This wasn't like, oh, when I was a kid, I'm gonna be a programmer. Nah, a uh, totally different journey and uh, just followed the path that was before me and took it. And now it's taking me to avenues of uh, diversity and inclusion, You know, starting a business to try to help folks that come from the backgrounds I'm most familiar with and also just give women that power, right? Because being in tech and being a black woman in tech, I often see that there's a misrepresentation of that power in tech. And so in this Salesforce tech industry, I've used that as my platform, right? Salesforce is a CRM platform, but it's become my speaking platform for things that you know I see need to be changed. Absolutely, I love it. And I, I really appreciate it, y'all. Even before we get into this, y'all, I feel like, now I'm gonna take a bet. I feel like y'all gonna play this episode a couple of times because, you know, Rebe is a breath of knowledge and I can't wait till you all have a chance to, to really experience this. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything, Rebe, I'm not gonna treat you any different. The question that I love asking folks here on this show is how are you a human resource? Man, you know, I really had to think about that question several times, even right before this. And it's so interesting how the universe just leads the paths to you because I've become a resource for folks in terms of they text me, they need a job, 
or they having they feeling some type of way at work right or they need some advice on salary or I have other business owners that I know and they they trying to find a different way or they need some positivity I've become that encyclopedia of like hey let me go ask Ruby <laughs> so they used to have like uh, what was it? Ask Jeeves. I've become ask right. in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, I'm not the internet, but you know, I'm going to do what I can because I feel like each one of those engagements is, is an opportunity to, you know, expand not only on my network, but to possibly improve someone's moment, they day, they journey. And if I could do that, that's my legacy, man. <laughs> like it. And I always really appreciate how people, and this is why I asked this, right, Rebe? So I really appreciate how people not only look at this question, but also just thinking about their perspectives. For those of you that are new and that are listening, maybe this is your first show, maybe this is some of your first shows that you're listening. One of the things that we do on Young Black HR is really take a really, in creative, in my opinion, uh, perspective on how we look at and define what HR is. So this show isn't solely dedicated to human resource. This show is really amplifying those human resources that are out here in this great world. So each and every one of us is a human resource, no matter what you do in your profession, no matter what your background is, no matter what skill, ability, trait, whatever you bring, and collectively we are those human resources. So thank you so much, Rebe, I really appreciate that. Now look, for those of you, and I got to shout out one of my shows, if you've been listening for any length of time, you know, I'm always referring to other shows to give context and other shows. So as you all may or may not know, and please do if you haven't listened to this show already, go back and listen to, I have my guy Adam on here, when we talked about code switching <laughs> before, and we are also framed it in mind when we think about, you know, number one, in the terms of allyship. And are they invited to the cookout? And number two, when we talk about code switching in the sense of, you know, sometimes your people, you know, sometimes you're not your people in different workplaces. So go check out that episode. I think it'll be a great, uh, great prelude to this. But Rebe, I appreciate, you know, we were talking, chit-chatting and everything. And I was thinking about, you know, how you think about code switching and everything. And you bring a really unique approach. to when you talk about, reversing the code switch right and 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 what is that so let's set the stage for everyone so just in case you know how sometimes we need a refresher talk to us a little bit more about how you look at it and how you define it and what do you mean when we talk about reversing that code switch so it, it all started real simple like i uh it, and i'm not sure if people are aware of this a lot of folks aren't aware that a lot of people of color we have a certain cadence in how we talk at home, or even people with accents have a certain cadence in how they speak at home. But when they go into the workplace, there's this mindset that you have to speak a certain way, right? And in America, we've put race attached to that, which is wrong, right? They've attached it and said like, oh, you're speaking white. But proper grammar and diction is not necessarily a mode of race and speech, right? And we call it code switching. Um, my children asked me one day, why do you speak different when you talk to people at work than when you're at home? And it was mind blowing, cause you know, from the mouth of babes, right? 
And I began this journey of reversing that because how could I truly be myself if I'm speaking two different ways, if I'm being two different people, I'm a certain way at work versus at home. That's not really me being me. My job is losing out or my, my industry or company, whoever, they're not really experiencing me. They're experiencing a portion of me. So that's where code switching and reversing it became a, a mode of come as I am. Like, as they say in the church, come as you are to come. Come on and, now. I'm going to put know, an organ and, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's the truth, you know. And, yeah. and when you feel like you're able to speak freely, because I feel like people who don't really think about that, they speak the same way they do at home as they do at work. But so many of us put on different masks. And, you know, it's only a record. It's a recognition because I've had that incident where I may have used a colloquialism or AKA slang, right, in the, in the workspace. And it, I, I was able to defend myself because I have a background in literature and English. I know that, you know, um, the, the, the Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales talked about how English was slang. So the language we speak is slang. It is a slang derivative and full of colloquialisms that have evolved by the masses, the plebeians, the peasants, right? The poor people, because the rich <laughs> folks spoke Latin. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm reversing it because I'm able to show me and come as I am more if I'm able to just be me all the time and not have to hide portions of me. And that comes in just, you know, speech in itself and how I'm able to tell my narrative from my point of view, my perspective, my lens. Right? I like that. I like that. And even just look, you know, you, you've hit on, even just with that, you've hit on so many different topics. You know, if I, if I had to isolate each one of those, it could be its own show. Hell, even if it's own podcast in some instances, but just mm-hmm. thinking about that, that, that constant, I would say constant battle that we may face, you know, as individuals of, you know what, how do I show up as my real self? What does that look like? Are even folks ready for the authentic selves? How is that going to go? How do I prep and train and get people ready for who me is? Because sometimes, and we've been to a certain extent, you know, all kind of brought up and conditioned in the sense of, hey, you hear, you hear you this version, I'll pick on me. You're this version of Matt with your friends. You're this version of Matt at work. You're this version of Matt as a parent. You're this version of Matt as a husband, right? All of those different parts and components of who I am as a person, for example, and really who you are, for those of you that are listening, as a person, how do you all collectively bring those together? Because look, Rebe, I'd be the first. I'd be like, man, I'd be tired of code switching. Code switching would be yes. tired. I'd be black exhausted. I'd just yep. be, man, <laughs> I need to, you know, y'all about to hear the Southern twang, the, the everything at yeah. the wild. Sometimes, look, I was I was joking around with someone. I, I told him I was like, look, sometimes I just take Fridays off, right? And y'all, <laughs> y'all just get <laughs> y'all, y'all just get y'all just get whoever I show up as. But even just thinking about that, you know, I, I think it's I think it's one of those things where having those internal battles, having those, you know, what people sometimes call imposter effects or syndromes, even yeah. about who you are. And I and I love how you brought up. Uh, slang and, and language and literature and all of that, 
And it's just one of those things where is it ongoing? Is this something that's going to be managed? Yes. Is this something that's necessary and that we got to do? Because how can you truly have, you know, good mental health? How can you truly feel your best self if you can't even show up as your true self? So even before we get into that more in the show, I really appreciate that. And just thinking about the code switch, I tell you what, from one parent to the to the next, you know, little kids be they be noticing everything. Let me tell you. And you'd be like, dang, if they could see it, you know, I might need to check myself. So just thinking <laughs> about this, you know what? I'm I'm a I'm a pick on dialogue, right? Right. Every everybody, a lot of people rather, are from different areas. You know, we we speak, we say different things. You know, I may call it soda, you may call it pop. You know, I may call it wings. Somebody else may call it wings. You know, someone may say pecan pie. Others may say pecan pie, right? So let's talk about dialect. You know, thinking about that, it's it's so it's so broad. But in your in your experiences, Rebe, have you seen acceptance? I'll call it that. Have you seen acceptance of different dialects versus others? It's it's interesting you point that out because I feel like folks will hear a Southern twang and automatically assume a lack of intelligence, right? Or if I hold my vowels a little bit longer than somebody else, they're like, oh, where are you from, right? Oh, Midwest, right? (laughs) So I I experienced that when I went went to school out East, I attended a Northeastern University in Boston and that was mind blowing because Boston is a microcosm of New mm. York in terms of cultures. And I found it wasn't so much race, but more of a culturalism, right? Because you've got your Caribbean cultures, your immigrant populations from Asia, from Portugal, Spain, all over. And then a lot of European countries and Slavic. And this, my professor, she said it well, she said, it's a salad bar. It's not a, a melting pot. Because everybody's still sitting in their little <laughs> sections in the salad bar. And I'm like, that's I like that. true. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like you can make your salad, but it's still separate. You got your romaine over here, some tomatoes right. over there, right? <laughs> like, so, but the dialect piece um, really, I, I, I play with it a lot intentionally. And it's funny because, you know, I've been taught proper diction. But even with my grandmother, who's Filipino, she's an immigrant. She wouldn't teach me Tagalog because she said, you need to learn how to speak English first. I was like, wow, like just (laughs) because she took that Southern dialect that I had absorbed from my neighborhood, who are all a part of the Black migration to Chicago. They all from down south. So they that's how they talked. And I absorbed that. And that's when my parents were around. But then I also absorb, and that's a part of that code switching, even with dialect. It's a lot of people who probably go to work and have strong accents at home, and folks will never know. (laughs) They will never know. (laughs) They won't. Or some people have a dialect, they're from down south, and they hide the twang, right, intentionally, because they've had a situation. And it's just sad. I've seen that. I've seen it in HR instances where interviews have been performed. And folks start to get tired at the end and that twang slide in, right? Or <laughs> or the choppiness. Oh, are you from Boston? Right. Oh, you said Boston or Suffolk or Norfolk right. or something. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you know what? That's that's so funny that you mentioned because it's like, you know, I always kind of think about it. And for me, I mean, I think earlier in my career, you know, I, I was more conscious of that, you know, trying to 
stuff it away and hide it. But, you know, I tell folks, you know, my, my journey, especially living in different areas, I like how you mentioned Boston, because look, if y'all look, for y'all that are listening and you haven't been to Boston, when there's not snow on the ground, which is only about two days out of the year, you need to go up there and just, you know, explore and get a good feel for those cultures up there. I I think I think folks from Boston for me, folks from Boston are up there on my list of like favorite dialects because they say like Wooster and they say like Pibbity and they say a whole bunch of stuff. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> and it's, and it, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just so it's so interesting how they and even places all over, you know, just saying pronounce different things. But even for me, you know, you know, coming coming from down south, uh, Originally for me, North Carolina got folks scattered through Georgia and other places down south. Then I came up to to the DMV. Let me tell you, when I did that first move and got out of the south real good and went up to the DMV, that, that was a that was my mind was being blown. And it was good to see that difference. Cause even once in a while, you know, I pick on people. This is more so for people from the Baltimore, because if you ain't been to DMV, you know DMV, Maryland, Baltimore, they all different things. But you know, it's just interesting how. When you get into, especially tri-state areas, you see so many differences. And then for me, then when I came out west to the Bay Area, you know, that that was a whole switch, too, with how folks did things out here. And then even, even now where I'm at uh, in Seattle, you know, they're a little bit cool, calm, some little dialects in there, but not as much of a, as a shock as uh, mm-hmm. other parts of the country. But it's just one of those things where, for me, you know, a lot of people tend to, the longer they talk to me, at least, they tend to pick up that that Southern part that comes out. You know, they tend to they tend to ask, you know, all different types of questions with that. And I think that's one of the things that, number one, for me, especially, and I don't know how you feel about this, Rivi, but especially with COVID and all that, you know, and everything being digital and on Zoom, you know, the last thing that I want to hear is somebody who sound monotone. You know, let's let some dialect, let yeah. let a ism, a schism, a colloquialism, something <laughs> slide out, you know, you know, spice it up some a little bit. But I, I, I really think that even in situations where the quote unquote king's English is always promoted and preferred, quote unquote, within certain environments, I think it's one of those things where it's really just time to dead that, you know, it's really time to to really put that to rest and let people be and feel more and have the room and the space to feel more comfortable with that. So even just with that, you know, I like how, and maybe we can even bring this up too. I like how now there's more of an emphasis when we think about globalization. So when you think about folks who are from other places, if you had to talk to someone who, let's just say, was a U.S. born and bred, how would you kind of break down and give them kind of a rundown of how these code switches work for us in the States versus, you know, other countries where they just blend in maybe a little better. I, I had an incident like that. And it's, it, I had two incidents, one where I worked in a, a company in Boston and my coworker was of uh, Vietnamese descent. And so his accent was very strong and folks would sit at the meeting and he would say things and they would just nod their heads like bobbleheads, but nobody knew what he was saying. <laughs> So finally, I was like, listen, man, can you repeat that a little clearer? Because like I understood it because I find myself understanding Asian English. It's a thing. 
because I grew up around Asians and they have certain dialects and cadences in the way they express certain words or say certain words in phonetics. But instead of folks just saying it, you know, everybody's being politically correct. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, the whole right. point of talking is so we can understand and exchange and communicate, mm -hmm. right? Just say it. And you don't have to say it and be rude. Just say, I didn't understand. Can you repeat that? Right. Or, you know, confirm instead of just accept. And the same thing happens overseas. I went to France, I went to Paris, and I'm thinking, yeah, I could order Starbucks. I know what I'm talking about. Starbucks is easy to order. I could order it in French. And I had a moment <laughs> where I literally was talking to her. I tell her what I want, mm -hmm. and she tapped the cup with a marker. And so I said, je ne sais pas, right? Like, I don't know. And then she write an X, and I'll go, oh, la, 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 la. I'm like, I'm so stupid just call me Madam X because she asking for my name but I'm mm -hmm. just because she's <laughs> she didn't say like oh you know uh like what's my name she didn't say it in proper French because she don't speak proper French she speaks the land the communicative French right she's young she's working at Starbucks mm -hmm. our kids do the same thing at McDonald's and Burger King here in Starbucks so these are instances that happens I feel in corporate America too but they brush it over with like HR and political correctness instead of addressing like, hey, let's acknowledge that there may be some communication issues and let's work on it, right? Right, I think that's true. And you know what? I think, you know, some things, really too many things in my opinion, but that's a whole nother podcast in of itself, but really too many things are are, are politicized and there's always that, that correctedness, you know, and, you know, threats to being canceled, even at work. And, you know, just things that folks can do to, to lose their, their social capital, quote unquote, right? You know, you may say or do something, someone may say or feel offended. And then next thing you know, you know, you're losing allies, right? You're losing coworkers and all that. But even with that being said, I think it's worth the honesty, especially as we, we as people, hopefully continue to work more in global environments. So one thing, here's one thing that, that came to my mind when you were speaking, you know, my, my wife, for those of you that ever get a chance to, to meet her and talk to her and interact with her, she, she's one of those ones that always gives me a hard time because when it comes to like Asian English, you know, as you, as you said, and other, you know, other languages and dialects out there, like I'll be struggling sometimes. And I just be like, yo, I look at her because she's from Philly. I'm like, all right, maybe, you know, definitely Philly is a lot more international than the Fayetteville, where I came from. So I look at her and then sometimes I give her that look and be like, you mind translating what they was trying to get at? You know, especially if you're going to certain restaurants or places like that. I don't know. I just want word. Let's start with that. <laughs> um, but just with that being said, you know, I give her a hard time too because since she's not from the South, you know, a lot of the Southern dialects and things like that, she look at me and just be like, yep. I, right, she gave me that look. And yep. uh, <laughs> and I'll never, I'll never forget, and this is a random reference, take it or leave it for those of you that are listening, but i never forget when, um, what was that movie in? Jamie Foxx was in Django. When Django first came uh -huh. out some years ago <laughs> and they was just talking in that movie and we was at the movie theater and my babe was like, I, I need some captions, man. I'm, I'm struggling here. Like, what are they saying? 
you know, some, you know, someone goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'm like, babe, he said this, 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 and this. But then I'd be the same way too. So it's just funny how, you know, you bring that point up, you know, it's it's okay to be vulnerable in that sense. Yeah. You know, we don't want to make, never make anyone feel like they can't yeah. be themselves. We want to understand, right? So you can get real good. And then, you know, even from a dialect perspective, I, I'm multilingual in a dialect context, right? Yes, I understand man. a lot. Code, code with, switching is that. That's what code switching is, is learning another language yeah. and how they how they convert their verbs. And, you know, most times folks are using, hopefully, mm -hmm. subject, verb, object, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope so. I know, right. like, for some of us, we, we like to put the to be verb in front of all the words. But, you know, I mm -hmm. like I said, I teach my kids. I'm like, hey, look, I feel like y'all should learn it how it's supposed to be done. Because then you could break the rules because that's how we evolve. <laughs> mm -hmm. And look, you know, and you know what? That's that's real because no matter what, even from today, you know, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, we're gonna keep evolving. And you know, folks and kids and whoever else is, they're gonna be saying different stuff. And maybe I'll feel like, man, I'm old, but I don't get the lingual. But it's always one of those things. I'm already where... there. I'm already there. These kids be talking <laughs> in a whole nother language. I'm like, right. What's going on here? <laughs> right. But you know what? I think about times where even when I did go into office for COVID and all that, you know, you can tell when folks are really cold switching because they will say certain words and phrases where I like to kind of paraphrase and look at it as, why are you speaking an email to me? Like, you know, I'll be like, you don't say all the best in real life. You know, you don't really say that. So stop it. So it's just they one don't, of those they don't walk into the office talking about greetings and salutations. I'm like, right, you know, Star Trek, like, right, like, what's going yeah. On? <laughs> so it's 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 just so funny how there are so many different uh, examples and impracticality with that. But I even feel like you know, along the lines of like language, it is power, and we're going to get to that for sure. But even just thinking about how we kind of focus in, and you know, just from one person to another, how we kind of focus this in on the experience with Black women, right? You know, it's 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 one of those things, and I like how you put it uh, when we were chatting initially, but really it's Black women against everyone. What do you mean by that? And what what is the perspective that you want to make mm. sure folks understand? You know, I, I have, I, I'm open to dialogue with folks, right? I studied rhetoric, and so I understand the importance of discourse. And, you know, it's, it's for me, it's all about allowing people to be open to say their opinions and not feel like they're insulting me or offending me because it's what they know or think. And it allows me the chance to change it, right? <laughs> to give them perspective. And so right. when I talk about Black women versus everyone, it's just like, you know, you may work with other people, like particularly black men in the office, especially in corporate settings. And a lot of times it's a competition. You like, dude, we in this together. But now it's just like, oh, if I say something out of pocket, I'm an angry black woman. That's what's, they're gonna put me into that box, right? Or uh, some cultural differences. It's like, oh, well, black women are very aggressive. <laughs> it's just like, 
look, I'm only aggressive if you coming at me a certain way. Like, I would expect someone else to be aggressive if I was coming right. at them. That's like me going and like popping my cat in the head. She gonna be mad and try to scratch you. That's right. just animal instinct. The same thing for us, human instinct. Why do we have to be pinpointed into this corner? And I always feel like it's Black woman versus everyone because I feel like we are a target. <laughs> it is... It, and it's true. A lot of people look at it and be like, that's not true, but you have to walk in our shoes to see it. As a woman in tech, here's a situation, and it's not just a woman, but a Black woman. I may say something a certain way, and then they'll take my words and repurpose it because they're like, oh, we didn't like how you said it. What I'm, I'm speaking from what I know. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm speaking my truth but you didn't like how I said it because it came in a raw form. So you want to cook my words and then pretty it with all these ribbons and stuff. And it's like- Right, and then don't even put no seasoning on it. Don't put no seasoning in it. That's a whole nother thing. But at the same time, that's also, that brings us back to being able to come as Mm -hmm. we are. How many black women are truly able to come as they are in the office setting, right? Because we always feel like we're being attacked. Whether it's, oh, we're going to push you in this role where you take notes, even though you have all the degrees, you have all mm-hmm. the background. Why am I taking notes at the meeting when I'm I'm also a lead? Or why is, is such and such have to go with me to be my partner to sponsor me? <laughs> why do I need sponsorship? I don't right. like that's another thing. We talk about allyship. There's a huge difference between allyship, sponsorship and patronizing right i don't come need on a patron. i am mm-hmm. not i'm not a struggling artist okay i don't need you to be like the rich patron <laughs> let's go patronize me be like i help her get to where right. she is no look, like give me my work ethic right <laughs> right no i hear you on that and look you oh my goodness you know look look Rebe, i knew you was gonna i knew i knew this is what was gonna happen as soon as i let you loose we don't have enough time to be crossing all those bridges. But no, seriously speaking, you uh, you know, you you bring up a lot of good points, you know, from allyship to sponsorship to really even just thinking about even from my perspective as a black man, how can we be better allies to y'all as black women, right? What does that look like? Uh, you brought up the need, the need to really call this out. And I might do a separate episode on that, but why are black people competing against each other in wow. corporate spaces, right? Thank you. When we all face some of the same things. So Lots of good things that we can really dive into. And even just thinking about, you know, Black women, like I feel like whether folks admit it or not, we all know Black women are the most educated. We all know. And sometimes folks have a hard time accepting. I don't know why, but we all know Black women are probably the smartest beings on this planet, you know, needless to say. (laughs) And even just thinking about to your earlier point, you know, just uh, being at the top, you know, there 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 be targets on y'all backs, and not to say that that's right or that's how it should be, but I definitely can get a sense that it's it's exhausting. You we, know, we sometimes against our, we, we're against yeah. ourselves too, though, and that's yep. the other thing. Like black women always coming for other black women when we need to be supporting each other. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just you know those who make it to the top, you don't know what sacrifices or what, what decisions they had to make to get them there or what led them to that journey. And you have to mm-hmm. be appreciative of that, that work ethic to a certain extent. Yeah. Even if some of them we know, we like, 
we know she's faking it till she make it, but I can't be mad at your hustle, right? right. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, and then move and, on, move on, yeah. bro. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. And you know what? A while back I was uh I was tweeting from him like HR, you know, sometimes hustle, a lot of times really hustle determines your salary, right? And really the difference between those who make it and don't make it really has nothing to do with working hard. Sometimes we use that overly too much, in my opinion, but it really makes a difference in the sense the people that really make it in life, career, whatever. The difference is they are the ones that are willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. They're the ones that raise their hands. They're the ones that go over beyond. So I always try to tell people it's not about exclusively working hard. Sometimes it's just about working smart. And sometimes it's just being able to realize and recognize the opportunities that are at stake and playing that good old fashioned chess game, you know how it goes Man. in corporate America. So yep. I think just with that, with code switching, really when we think about that, you know, minorities as a whole collectively, do we have to do it more than our non-minority folks? Of course. Do black women have to do it more than everybody? Of course. And I that's a whole podcast by itself. But even <laughs> just thinking about, you know, a lot of these power struggles, a lot of these uh, survival tactics, a lot of things that Black women have to do and have to navigate on a day-to-day basis. You know, when we think about tying that and incorporating that with speech, you know, speech is power, right? And it's more than just about how you deliver it, what you say, all of that. But really just speech in all of its forms is power. And I think you have a great point when you were, when you talked about it earlier, but I want to want to pick on this a little bit more about how how do Black women begin to get that power back through speech? Um, it's all about, you know, I, I feel like for us, I've learned this from others too. It's not necessarily who's louder. It's whose words combined together sing the best song, right? Tell the best story. Because those mm-hmm. who own the narrative own the truth. This is history. We keep rewriting history because we found that those who wrote the former history was telling a whole different narrative than what the 50 other people who were there was like, yo, this dude said such and such, hit such and such on the corner. It's Mm -hmm. 50 people that saw differently, but they didn't get to to tell the narrative. They didn't tell the story, right? So it's only the ones who were standing up to tell the story. And a lot of times, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to be willing to put yourself in a position where you have the opportunity to speak out, right? And a lot of times that may cost you your job. That may cost you that seat at the table. That may cost you uh, future opportunities. But at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself in the decisions that you made. It's called accountability. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times those moments where you did not speak out will be the moments that are your biggest regrets because you've been sitting there thinking I should have, would have, and I didn't. And now I can't. Right. (laughs) It's it's too, it's too late at that point. And even just thinking about it from that perspective, you know, sometimes standing up for what you believe in, what you want to fight in, it comes with L's. Now, whether they capitalize or lowercase, you know, that varies. But even just thinking about that, you know, folks always get on me about preaching this, especially in the job context. You know, I tell people, look, no matter 
if you're in the job market, if you've been somewhere up 10 years, always be able to find what y'all stopping for. You know, don't stop. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Just 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 the way that things are nowadays and, you know, COVID and mergers and acquisitions and reorgs, <laughs> you know, you could have. And this this happened to me early, early in my career. Um, you know, you could have a great, you know, manager or team and then a reorg or something happens all of a sudden. And then you have a new group of people and, you know, you don't really mess well with them and everything. I think it's just one of many different ways that, you know, we as people, but specifically as Black women, you know, you all have to continue to fight. We as Black men and other minorities, we have to continue to support because it's not a, it's not a one-way street. It really is a two-way street. So just with that being said, you know, what are, what are some things, what are some ways that you want, and let's just talk to Black men and other minorities for a second. What are some ways that you all look to us to be that ally, to be that support. Because sometimes we talk about allyship in the context of white people. We can get on that too, but you know, <laughs> let's, 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 let's frame it. Let's frame it around black men and minority men too. I think the first thing is perception. Um, when you walk into a job and you see someone of color who has a high role, it's like this expectation of the black tax. And you like, hold up. You don't know what they went through to get there. You shouldn't automatically have these expectations or assumptions that they're going to hook you up. No, like they may have like 10 other people they already hooking up. You shouldn't automatically assume, oh, yeah, I work for such and such under such and such. He's going to hook it up or she going to hook it up. It's like, no, that is not the case. You need to uh -huh. show your own work ethic and prove that you can earn someone's trust and their referrals. That's the first thing I would say with perception. Don't just come in perceiving that, you know, this person is going to help you out. The second thing I would say for us is, you know, stop. I, I did this, this, this speech and it, it was like something that came because I had asked a friend to hold my bag, literally. And I think about women, Black women and women in general, how we have a lot of baggage. And a lot of times we need a girlfriend, a friend to hold their bag for a second, just so you can come to terms with who you are and what you're going through in your space. And, and that sisterhood and that sistership is strong, especially when you find people of like minds and like, you know, uh, vibes to support you. You can go do amazing things. I'm, I am where I am because of the friendships I have formed in the sisterhoods that I have, you know, created. The uh, last thing I would say is the, the seat at the table. A lot of them be like, oh, I need a seat at the table. Mm -mm, everybody's seat ain't the same. You might get the kitty seat. You might get that booster seat. You sitting at the booster seat and everybody else got the big leather seat <laughs> right. sitting at the table making decisions. You just sitting there in your kitty seat watching things go by. That doesn't necessarily mean that you can't learn. Recognize the type of seat you have and form a plan and a strategy for how you're going to move yourself from the kitty seat to the big people table, right? Why are you at the table? <laughs> for real. And that right, comes come with allyship. Mm -hmm. That comes with sponsorship. That comes with network and talking mm -hmm. to people and opening yourself up to put yourself out there. You got the seat. I don't understand how people get the seat like, I'm fine with it. And they become introverts. And you like, hold mm -hmm. up. You did all this work. And now right. you're going to be quiet. <laughs> 
that's where that narrative because when you're able to, mm-hmm. to tell your narrative and it's something that i still struggle with myself as many words as i've learned and many books as i've read my narrative changes today my narrative is different tomorrow is different last year was different because every day i'm engaging with someone new i'm experiencing a different perception or i'm open my eyes to a different path that I didn't even know, or maybe I changed my mind. We can change our minds. That's okay. It's life. So, right. It really first. is. No, no. I, I really appreciate it. And it's it's just, look, y'all, for those of you that are listening, you know, I told you this was going to happen. You know, once you let, once you let Rebe loose, it's, it's, it's rap. <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, Rebe, your, your, your breath, and your wealth of knowledge, uh, lots, lots of experiences, and just, just so much more that we can even talk about on this very same topic. But look, you know, if I had all the time of the world, that wouldn't be enough time to really get through everything. And just even thinking about code switching and, you know, how we've been conditionalized to, to think about it and to even play the game. But just, just, just with that idea that, you know what, We've been cold switching too long. It's time to revert back. It's time to reverse it. It's time to to go back to who we are. Now, I will tell you, I will tell you what, you know, I think, you know, some of these things that we talked about, and this is to be expected, are easier said than done. But it's one of those things where they're necessary, right? You know, it's not enough to always take the easy path. And even with that being said, you know, we we only have so much time to really get into it. <laughs> so with that, with that being said, Rebe, what are you up to? What's going on? Let, let's start your business out. I want to make sure people, all the people know what you're doing, what you're up to. So I started my own consulting firm. It was a Salesforce consulting firm. And I call it a boutique because I'm not Target. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like gap store i'm trying to be that expensive store where you got to get a referral to get in right like this ain't (laughs) okay this this not the club that you just walk Mm -hmm. in so i take referrals only because you know from a a small business perspective it's a it's a great plan for me especially when i'm focused more on nurturing the folks that i work with my contractors have all been former students colleagues a lot of them are women black women black men um, people of color and, and, and come from backgrounds where they were in a job and they're like, it's not going well. Their self-esteem has been severely destroyed. Uh, the position didn't fit them. They're in tears, right? Because they're a mother and the job don't appreciate that, right? And talking to them all sorts of crazy. How do you, you know, I'm that way out. And I've been, I've been blessed to be able to provide that. I bootstrapped it by working subcontracts and contracts. I still work the contracts, right? And at the same time, I try to provide potential for the people that work with me, the contractors, right? I'm not, I'm not wealthy enough to provide benefits yet, but I'm well, speaking to an that, existence, right? <laughs> working, working on that. But at the same time, I also offer them opportunities to other full-time with benefit positions that come my way. But folks don't want to leave me. I don't know. They like my thing is we shouldn't work is not about work for us. We about supporting each other. And I wanted to build a place that I wanted to work with the people I work with and enjoy it. I wanted to do the jobs and be able to challenge myself and learn with them and just change that whole aspect of like, you know, 
work is for the return on investment. For me, mm-hmm. work is for the return on impact. How am I impacting these people's lives and making it better? And I've seen the dramatic changes and how they shine. And it makes me feel really good to see them go out and be the best that they can be of themselves, right? Um, I'm small, I'm mighty. I'm not trying to be no multimillionaire. I do want to create a model that others will follow. So I am working on that because, you know, I'm writing a a handbook. Why should contractors be different from a full-time employee? There are people, they are resources. They are human resources that work with you as well. Come on now. I see your application. Somebody get it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) seriously, if you want to, we go into the HR route. It's, It's the same, you know, model. How we treat people has changed when we think about business. You know, in the old days, they did apprenticeship mm-hmm. models and they hired them on and that person was under their wing and would continue the journey for them. Nowadays, it's like a free-for-all in the Wild West. <laughs> and yep. so like, how, how did your business model really fit with that? So my thing is like, I have a revolving door. If they need to go, they can go, but I want them to take the best of what I could teach them and impart in them. So that way they can represent what I was about. Right. That's a part of my legacy as a businesswoman and as a as a black woman, as a woman, American woman. Right. Like that. That's it. And that, that's what I'm doing. Um, I still teach a free class on Salesforce for city colleges of Chicago twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm getting back into my writing. I have a degree in writing. So I had to repurpose my website and just basically out here living the life and being blessed and trying to like, you know, make new initiatives where I can. I'm not trying to start nonprofits, but I feel like the paths just keep coming. <laughs> right. And I'm just trying to like set it up for others. I'm a good executioner. I like to execute and make it happen. And I like it. That's it. <laughs> I like it. No, you're, you're always up to something. And no, we really appreciate that. Even just your perspective, your approach, you know, I always learn something new every time I speak to you. And lastly, look, before we, before we get out of here, for real, for those that want to connect with you, for those that want to continue the conversation, where can they find you? So I got my website is rebydelapaz.com. You can contact me on Twitter. Uh, don't be sliding up into my DMs with some nonsense. I'll ignore you. And then uh, I'm on Ruby Delapaz at Instagram as well. So okay, don't okay. forget to hit me up. <laughs> all right, y'all. Y'all, y'all heard it. You don't got the warning sign, so come correct, but don't come at all. But no, I, I love it. I love it. I appreciate it. And for those of you that are listening, whether this is your first time, your fifth time, or your hundredth time, please feel free to connect with us and let's keep this conversation going. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever your favorite platform is, at, you guessed it, Young Black HR. So let's continue the conversation. But until next week, until next time, until next episode, this has been another amazing episode of the Young Black HR Podcast. Make sure you connect with today's guests on social media accounts. And if you haven't already, bookmark and check out our website at honesthumanresources.com for your career-related needs. Also connect with Young Black HR on your favorite platform at, you guessed it, Young Black HR. You can locate us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, I am your host, Matthew Kirby, and I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Tune in to next week's episode.